We call upon Teeny Howard, who isn't dead, but extremely busy and tired with her Marvel exclusive contract. We have brought forth a black cat, iced coffee, and a sweet Thanos figure to bring you into our home. If you hear us, give us a sign. Did it work? I don't hear anything. Shh. I hear something. Y2 AJ forever? Damn it! Kim's sweet motorbike, Jay. And I'm Kim's bitching leather jacket, Ashley. And this is Ranger Splain, a podcast where I, a lifeline Power Ranger fan, take Ashley through the magical world that is Power Rangers. So quick thing, we're not going to name names, but Super Beetle said to skip this particular comic because he said he didn't like it. Tough shit. We're doing all of Power Rangers, and that means all of Power Rangers. So what are we getting into today? We're getting into Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Pink. Yay! Okay, so uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Pink is a little bit different because it is a comic book and not a um, TV thing. Um, So the creative team on this comic book, uh, it was written by Brendan Fletcher and Kelly Thompson, uh, who they wrote the first two issues and also wrote the story for the entire comic, um, where Teeny Howard, who we tried to summon in the beginning of the episode, um, and she just reminded, decided to remind me of I2AJ exists. She actually signed my Power Ranger pink with that. Yeah, but yes, Teeny wrote issues um, three through six, and the art throughout the entire series was done by Danielle DiNicolo. Uh, apologies if I uh, mispronounced her name. And the colorist, Sarah Stern. So basically the thing to understand with comics in this case, I mean, I'm going to put on my comics uh, fan slash writer hat. Just imagine I'm putting on like a fancy hat right now that's probably just a snapback. Um, So as I mentioned before, Brendan Fletcher and Kelly Thompson, they were the writers for the first two issues. Mm -hmm. um, And they also wrote the story. So basically... um, Writing the script versus writing the story, a very I think this carries over similarly in like TV, but basically, um, the story will be written out like all the major like plot beats and all of that. Uh, but then you actually have to go in and write everything else in between. So uh, that was handled by Fletcher and Thompson for the first two issues, and then um, Teeny came in and picked up for the rest of that. So the thing to understand about comics as a medium is that it's a collaborative medium. So it's not you can't put the um, you can't put the credit on any one person for bringing it together. So that's why you have the three writers, you have the two main artists on it. Um, who was the letterer on this series? I uh, Ed Dukeshire did the letters. Always credit the letterers. Exactly. Um, there was a million different covers done for this series, so it's hard to credit any one particular cover artist. But yeah, so. Uh, I also need to notate that I actually do know uh, two members of the creative team. So just as full disclosure, this is not a, um, they are not paying us to cover this. We just, we we happen to like them. Uh, I am, I I know Brendan Fletcher, who he is, uh, he was co-writer of Gotham Academy. He was one of the co, he's one of the co-writers of Motor Crush. um, One of the writers of Black Canary, which is one of my favorite comics ever. Super sweet dude, super Canadian. Um, I'm probably going to go see him for a day at MomoCon just because I miss him. Uh, And meanwhile, Teeny, I have, um, I'm friends with her. I've worked with her at comic conventions before. Uh, Like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, she just signed an exclusive Marvel contract 
We're so proud of you. Go teeny. So um, if you're listening to this right now on May the 1st, um, you can go pick up her um, first issue of the Thanos miniseries she's writing for Marvel. That is, um, it's like, I think it came out on April the 23rd, 4th, right before Endgame. So like, if you've already seen Endgame, just go to your local comic book shop and pick up Thanos there. Or you can go pick up Euthanauts, which is an extremely amazing uh, mini yeah. that she wrote for um, Black, La- Blackcraft, Black Lab, Black, Black, Black Crown. Crown. Jesus. Black Crown label. Coming... <laughs> Yeah, Black Crown at IDW. Sorry for mentioning Black Craft there. We don't talk about that for Mania Weekend. Um, but anyway, yeah, so uh, she did that for Black Crown. It's an amazing miniseries, and hopefully there's more in the future. Um, she's also writing the Glow miniseries for IDW, and she's she's everywhere. Yeah, we love Teeny. Yeah. And um, I don't know Kelly Thompson, but she's currently writing the Captain Marvel series at uh, Marvel right now, and it's really good, so I'd also recommend picking that up. Well, anyway, let's, um... Well, first we got to talk about the boom timeline. Right, right. Everything seems to be the same, and we were trying to figure out where it does fall in the font timeline, but it just kind of has smartphones. Uh, yell at us at Twitter if we're wrong. Yeah, we, we have not gotten into, like, any of the boom comics yet, besides this one. Uh, we're going to be covering Go-Go Power Rangers fairly soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, um, in terms of like what's going on in the MMPR comics, we don't really know. And we're actually not going to get to those for a while. So if there's something we're off of, about the timeline, that's why, uh, we are not negligent. We are just going in our own particular order here. Yeah. A lot of that has to do with the MMPR comics it has to do with Shattered Grid. Right. And, um, we need to at least get up to Ninja Steel to really understand Shattered Grid. So... Yeah, so it's going to be a while, so strap in. But anyway, let's get into um, let's get into pink today. All right. So the kind of quick thing about it is, sometime after leaving the Rangers and on the last day of the Pan Global Games, Kimberly has issues trying to reach her mother. She decides to go to the town of Saint Monu, Monu, France, where her mother and stepdad are currently living. She finds the town is empty and monsters have overtaken it. Colleen's word on for assistance, she gets her ranger powers back, in limited form, to f- help fight the monsters. However, she finds out that Goldar has struck out on his own and turned the town into monsters. So Kimberly has to save everyone, including her mom, with the help of some al- old friends and new allies. So yeah, basically the comic is centered around Kimberly as we get into our characters here. Um, so Kimberly here is kind of different than what we've seen her in the past. Um, yeah, she's, and it goes into more about, I think, Kimberly, what she would be post-Ranger. Yeah, so, I mean, she's still very much herself, but she's still, she's focusing on her new life, and um, I think she's kind of dealing, maybe dealing with some PTSD? Yeah, and it's something that almost always comes up with headcanons, I know, with Pocky, Squirrel, shout out to Pocky Squirrel, uh, from Toku Ladies, along with Basically everyone from Toko Ladies, Mara, uh, the second Batgirl, all of them, um, Tara Lee, they all talk about, like, Power Rangers having PTSD. Yeah, so, like, Kim kind of has this uh, uncertainty that we've never really seen her have on Power Rangers before. Like, I think the closest we got when she was considering leaving yeah, um, to focus on her gymnastics career, but that was really about it. But here it's a little bit more 
existential. So yeah, at some point, Kim even says, when it comes to the Power Rangers, is there ever an end? Yeah. At least I'm not the only one asking that question. Yeah, she she, she kind of has a hard ability, to, hard ability to believe in herself, and she feels guilty, and she really doesn't know how to process no longer being a Power Ranger. And that especially comes up at the end. Like, a good chunk of this comic is kind of her dealing with that and leads up to the Dear John letter from season three? Like, no, not season three. Z- it was Zio. Zio. Okay. We haven't gotten to Zio yet. We are actually going to be getting it to it fairly soon. Um, so she writes, to, like, so she, she writes out the Dear John letter. There is an ending narration, uh, which was spectacularly written by Teeny, of how do you face just being different from someone you love? We so often make it about someone, but it's usually really something. A calling, a job, an opportunity, an interdimensional power morphing grid that makes you into a superhero with a giant sword. All equally valid. We can all lie to ourselves through all of that. It never really feels over until there's someone else, right? It's not just enough to be the woman in pink at his side. It's about wanting the same things and in the same ways. Some of us can change, can morph into whatever versions of ourselves seem appealing. Some of us just wear the armor for a time and then pass it on. And we stay heroes anyway. And it's something to explore more with Tommy's character as we move on uh, later with Zeo, uh, Turbo, and then later Dino Thunder, and then Soul of the Dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, um, unlike him, he can't move on. Right. And, like... Especially because, like, this seems like it is a reflection of Kimberly realizing she's not in the same place as Tommy anymore. Yeah. Again, that how do you uh, face being different from someone you love? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, it, obviously, the Tear John letter was just a way that they could end the uh, end the romance because they forgot to do that at the yeah, end of season three. Yeah, because they, they kind of, in Zeo, just kind of thrust Cat upon Tommy and they're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. We forgot to end that romance. Let's put the Dear John letter and actually start the romance between uh, Kat and Tommy. But anyway, Kim knew in this series that she had to move on to better herself. And like, I feel like that's like kind of the emotional crux of the story is that she is, while she's being a Power Ranger, she's kind of going through her, the mental state of like, well, this is like, since this is a temporary thing, how does she move on from being a Power Ranger. Yeah. It, it goes into kind of um, external conflict. The external conflict is obviously Goldar taking over the village, but the main conflict is that internal conflict in Kimberly. Right. But, yeah. Um, well, speaking of Rangers, or older or old Rangers that are no longer part of the team, Kim's not the only one in this series. Trini makes an appearance, and she has a character! What? Oh, my um, wow, thanks Fletcher, Thompson, and Howard for that. Yeah, I, I I never thought I'd see the day. But yeah, it's actually, I got really emotional when they reunited. Um, mm-hmm. Specifically, it's a scene where Kimberly's transported to where, uh, specifically, Zach and Trini are. Yeah. And um, so, she basically, Trini crash lands to her into her while, like, hang gliding. Yeah, it's so cute. And it's something we never got to see in the live-action canon because of Twee, Walter, and Austin leaving the set. So we never got to see, like, that transfer of power or them, like, the old Rangers coming back. Though we will see uh, Jason coming back in Zeo. 
Right, but it's also unfortunate that you're never really going to get that live action re that reunion in live action anyway because of Twee's unfortunate passing. Yes. So I think also part of the character you get to see from her is not that she's just smart, but she probably is a little bit more introverted. So in order for these places to survive and thrive, it requires education and commitment for the people that live here as well. And that's what Zach is focusing on. He's great with people. Sometimes I think I'm better with plants. Yeah, it, it goes, you know, it goes into her introversion. Um, and also, like, Trini actually is seen being best friends with Kimberly. And, and they just interact. They're happy to see each other. And I think there's a line um, specifically about that. It's, it's just so emotional. Yeah, um, at some point when, like, Trini is going in to repair the, uh, uh, the communicators. Mm -hmm. um, and basically, uh, Kimberly is like, uh, Trini, I have an idea, but I need your help. You know more about these communicators than anyone, right? Anyone who isn't Billy, and I'm already way ahead of you. And Kimberly in that moment mentally goes, Power Ranger 101. If you don't have a BFF like Trini Kwan, get one. And it kind of built onto the season uh, two character development that we did see briefly with Trini mm -hmm. about that she is the se the second smartest of the original six. Yeah, and like, and I think for that, like, she talks about like wanting to move into a conservation instead of going into medicine like her dad did. Yeah, and so like, you see Trini and Zach figuring out their path outside of the Power Rangers, and. So Trini has able, been able to kind of begin to move on because she's focusing on something else. Yeah. And so I think that also plays into, like, Kimberly's internal conflict because... Kimberly's having that hard time moving on past being a Power Ranger at this point. Which, if it's at the Dear John letter, it's probably during Zio. Right. So, but yeah, since Trini and Zach are, like, paired up together... In more ways than one. Um, let's talk about Zach. Uh, he also has a character. Holy shit. What? What is this? A, a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comic where they actually have characters outside of, like, their race? Oh, my God. What is this? It's, it's like we entered, like, 2000 teens. Yeah. So, like, I get you see him get to be more of a people person. Like, he always does a little bit of that in the series, but they get to really expand upon it here. Yeah. Um, so he basically tackle hugs Kimberly when they reunite, and it's super adorable. And this is after he kind of judo threw her, and she landed on her feet. Yeah. Kimberly has to approach them about getting assistance with saving, like, the village. And so when Zach basically agrees as soon as she tells him, and he's like, of course I'll come. The work we're doing here is important, and I love it. But these people in your village need our help, and fast from the sounds of it. Besides, you're my friend for life, Kim. You're my family. Your family's in trouble and I'm there. As much as I don't care to ever see Goldar's dumb face again, it might feel good to get back in the field with a little Ranger's butt-kicking action. Yeah, it emphasizes that they, they became kind of a found family and something that you see in more and more Ranger um, seasons is the found family trope. Um, that they just kind of become a found family as much as, um, as, much as they are teammates. Right. And so, obviously, you don't see him in the comic as much as Kimberly uh, or even Trini. Um, but it was still nice to see them. Um, seeing, Getting to see, again, like as we got into with Trini, it was really nice to see them reunite and be together in that way because they never really got to have that in the TV series. Yeah. So, but yeah, as I mentioned with pairings, when did Zach and Trini start dating? 
We had uh, Kimberly's reaction to it, which is just like, what? what? Uh, but it makes sense. They're both former Rangers, and that comes with its own baggage, something that we'll later see with Soul of the Dragon. Um, and, you know, you spend more time together, and life uh, finds a way. Pretty much. Pretty much. It is the Jurassic Park principle. Um, so, basically, Kim does try to find Jason as well in order to, like, get the, like, basically get most of the team back together. Except Jason is on assignment. And I'm not sure if I will uh, put this in podcast notes later if this is true. If he was the Gold Ranger at this point in Zeo. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he was, so it's just like, where is he? Right, because yeah, if you get to the end of the comic, like there's an entire fight scene where the Rangers are still in their Mighty Morphin gear, which is a little weird because this takes place during Zio. If you go into the Dear John letter, da da da. Well, I think cause the Dear John letter is like sent a ye- like a year after. Um, oh, okay. Because yeah, let me see here. Yeah, one year later. Okay. So cool. it, it would make sense that maybe this is in the gap period, sometime during the gap period between when uh, Kimberly leaves and when the you know the Rangers get you know shrunk down to like child size. Um, which is again still weird. Where the fuck's Jason? Yeah, where where is Jason? Again, this is maybe something with the boom timeline we're just missing, but whatever. Um, but yeah, so since we don't have our typical Rangers. We have uh, two new characters that come in and help save the day. So our first one is Serge. Um, he is the first character besides Kimberly that we meet that's a resident of the town, and he helps run his father's bistro. Yeah, so he's actually pretty cool in the short amount of time we actually get to interact with him. Um, he's a total action movie nerd, so obviously getting to like become a power or help with Power Ranger and become a Power Ranger later on in the comic um, is a total is a very exciting deal for him. Yeah. Uh, he ends up selling out Kimberly and everyone at some point to save his sister. And, of course, it doesn't go well because Goldar is, like, revolver ocelot and backstabs him. Of course. Um, but, you know, Kimberly understands that why he would sell them out. But she's still kind of pissed off about it. Um, but he does help the rangers when they are need. He helps get the villagers out of the cave. And because of his heroic actions there, he gets to have uh, temporary blue ranger powers. Yes. Um, so, but also getting ranger powers is his sister, Britt, who, obviously, she sold Kimberly out to help save her, and I think she even gets on to him about that. Nice. Um, but Britt is very historic, because she is the first black woman to be a Red Ranger. Yes. Um, even if it is very temporary, she only gets them for about 24 hours or so. Um, she's another character that we don't get for a lot of time, but when she's shown as a character, she's shown as being brave and resourceful, and she helps get people evacuated from the village. So, basically, like, her response to being a Power Ranger for a short time is that she kind of realizes things about herself, and decided that, like, that was the coolest thing of my whole life, um, and decides that she wants to study disaster planning at university. Yeah, uh, and, uh, Brushes uh, with the rangers, and as rangers, kind of lead her and Serge to want to do more to help people. Right, because, like, Serge also decides that he wants to be an EMT um, because uh, I am good and calm in a crisis. And he realizes the, about this about himself while he's helping with this entire or crisis as a power ranger. It's kind of cool to see that influence and how power rangers help people in ways that uh, they 
you can't normally see. Right. And that they can help, even if they don't have powers. Right. Which, again, ties into Kimberly at the end of, like, you know, sometimes you wear the armor, then pass it along, but you're still a hero anyway. Yeah. So, I guess moving on to... Our favorite! Goldar. Uh, Fuck him. him. But... Weirdly enough here, he's not really a dumbass like he usually is in, like, the TV series. He's actually... Kind of cunning. Yeah. He strikes out on his own without Rita's knowledge. He's like Ben Mendelsohn, but, like, Ben Mendelsohn in Rogue One, who is the, like, Krennic or whatever his name was, who is the, like, basically the bureaucrat who wanted all the power about, like, credit for the Death Star. Not Ben Mendelsohn and Captain Marvel, who was the leader of the Skrulls, who is actually, like a refugee on the run from the, you know, empire of the Kree. Also, fuck the Kree, but that's a side note for another time. So, weirdly enough, at some point, him and Kimberly actually have to work together in order to help, like, save the day because uh, Goldar's new lackey basically stabs him in the back and goes rogue. And then Goldar stabs him in the back. Literally, well, I think Ford... Yeah, Uh, no, he stabs him in the front, and, like, he stabs him and carries off his dead-ass body. Dark-ass shit. I, yeah, I didn't really know how to uh, process that, because this is something you would never see in TV canon, or at least not in MMPR TV canon. Yeah. Um, So, basically, for me, that was really weird to process, because it was something that we just, that we never saw on the TV show before, this level of, like backstabbing on backstabbing that literally led to a like someone getting run through with a sword yeah um so that new uh, lackey that we're talking about is uh verdo yeah um fucked up ass power turns people into sea monsters that is some lovecraftian shadow over end's mouth shit mm-hmm. and so because of that he ends up having this power struggle with goldar um because he wants to curry favor with zed and rita um so that's why he backstabs goldar and then that literally does not end well for him because, again, he literally, literally gets, gets stabbed. stabbed. So he turns everyone back at the end, and even for that... Goldar just straight shanks a bitch. Holy shit. Another character we get to see is Kimberly Ma- Kimberly's mom again. Uh, she spends most of the book as one of the deep ones, <laughs> uh, as I like to say. Uh, full disclosure here, Lovecraft is a fucking racist fuck. Fuck him, mm-hmm. but you know he's he was very influential in horror, unfortunately. So yeah, so but she still ends up recognizing Kim on a primal level. Um, she can't talk, but she's very helpful, and she still acts like a mom, but like monster mom. Yeah, like you know, if your mom was like a big like angry sea monster. Uh, and it kind of deepens the relationship uh, we see with Kim's family and Canon. You see how much Kimberly cares about her mom. Uh, it, and it's, it was a very painful thing to uh, for her to worry about uh, something will happen to her. And, you know, it, it did. She, you know, turned into a monster. And at some point they do end up getting separated. Um, because of that, basically, it was like Kim was moving forward with a plan and, like, uh, her mother had to hang back. And so Kimberly goes... Mom used to talk about dropping me off at kindergarten when I was really little and how impossible that felt. I get it now. It's kind of powerful because it's like, we're not sure in the future if Kimberly does have kids. We only know about Tommy having children. Mm -hmm. It it just kind of goes to show, like, what it feels like to be older and deal with your parents. Right. And dealing with, you know, their own kind of mortality as well as, like, 
just realizing human beings are fragile. Right. I mean, luckily, Kimberly's mom does get turned back at the end and has no memory of anything that happens in this book. Thank fucking God. Oh, Lord. Uh, now we're just kind of at odds and ends after we're done with the cat, uh, characters. Sweet, cool costumes. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, like, the very beginning of the comic, we literally get to see, like, Kimberly on a motorcycle in a sweet leather jacket. It is a lesbian dream. Yeah. Um, and this explores Kimberly after being a ranger and delves more into the psyche as opposed to, well, we're done. Yay. Yeah. So, like, you know, she's got a darker new costume that kind of reflects that. But it's also nice to see uncertainty with that like uncertainty from a power ranger without like the ham-fisted self-confidence episodes existentialism in my power rangers more likely than you think so i guess also this has like again as we mentioned before this entire series is dealing with her like how picking up the ranger mantle again uh has her questioning where she was she is in her life and how she wants to move forward and like i don't even think we really get an answer to like how she's like going to move forward from this like like, the closest we get is that she decides that she's going to break it off with Tommy. Mm-hmm. The closest we get to an answer is her deciding that she's going to break it off with Tommy. And considering it's a year later, she's she probably waffled back and forth on that decision for a while. Yeah. Last issue, Kimberly takes her team to help the Rangers in space. Space, space, space. Oh, yeah. I should also note, like, going back to the costumes, we didn't mention the fact that, like, the Ranger costumes you see... Since they are kind of taking power from Kimberly, they all kind of have this, like, pink, like, stripe. That's right. And I, I was just really cool extra design to see that. And also, like, Kimberly's, like, ranger suit was, like, pink and pink, black and white instead of just the usual, like, pink. Yeah. I don't know if it was just because, like, you can't have too much pink energy in the universe, but it still looked really cool. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so since Kimberly does take her new pink embellished team into space, um... They don't really have much in terms of, like, Zords to use. Um, so they have to use Typhonus, uh, which was, like, Z- Goldar's weird, like, ch- Chimera, like, Zord mm-hmm. uh, that was made up of, like, dead parts of all the other Zords. Yeah. That's creepy. So, like, basically Typhonus combines with Tor. Fuck yeah! yeah! Our favorite. Yeah, we love Tor. And, um... Titanus. The false god. Right. So, like, it's still weird. Yeah. Oh, Kim's Firebird was also as one of the, uh, was one of the Zords used in Typhonus. Yeah, wow. So weird. So weird. But, like, so they, they combine them, go out into space, and then they basically have an emotional journey with Kim, uh, seeing them again, but she, seeing the Rangers again, but she can't interact with them. But, like, the funny thing is that she talks to them through the Zord, and they have... No idea who she is. It's like, how can you forget Kimberly's voice? Yeah. So, Tommy's an idiot, but we've established this. The Zords are talking! <sighs> Amy Jo Johnson writes the introduction to it for the vo- for the trade. And um, I like how Amy knows Kimberly has had a positive influence on, on people. Yeah, so basically in the trade, she talks about kind of how... Her time in Power Rangers, she didn't really come up for air until she left. Because mm-hmm. she was very much just focused on her career. But kind of looking back at it now, uh, she's kind of seen how Kimberly has a positive influence on people. And that really reminds me of um, uh, Carrie Fisher. 
uh, especially as Carrie Fisher got later into her life and, like, spent, like, his for, you know, a period there while she was dealing with her own issues, she kind of tried to distance herself from Star Wars, um, which it seems like uh, Amy Jo Johnson also tried to distance herself from Power Rangers for a really long time. And she, she still does to this day. A lot of it has to do with creepers. Right. Um, but she will still, like, sometimes engage in fandom. And I think she recently did uh, one of the big Chicago cons. Okay. But, yeah, I think it's just in terms of, like, it reminds me of how Carrie Fisher, like, in the past, like, in the last, like, five or seven years before her death, kind of came to see herself as the custodian of Leia, of Princess Leia, instead of just being, like, treating her like a character that she played. Because, like, at that point, it's it's a character that is kind of bigger than yourself. And, like, as, you know, and I think maybe Amy Jo Johnson's starting to see that as well with Kimberly because... She is a character who has continued, like, not just influenced, like, people our age. Yeah. Um, she's somebody who continues to influence. And I think she even says, like, at the end of the end, end of the introduction that she was still seeing inspiration from Kimberly. Like, I feel pretty blessed to having to give an opportunity within the amusement park to actually inspire. It's beautifully ironic because 20-something-odd years later, Boom has created a, a comic book dedicated to Kimberly Hart. And as I turn the pages, simultaneously embarking on my new career as a female filmmaker in a man's world, this character helps me remember that we as women can do anything we want to do. We can create and keep up with the achievements of men. Rock on, Pink Ranger. And thank you for inspiring me as an adult. Talk about full circle. Ah, uh, yeah. And that's, that's pretty happy. Yeah. So, I mean, going back to, like, the one last thing about the comic is the covers. Oh, the covers were so fucking sweet. Yeah, so I think it's not one of, the, like, the strong suits of uh, Boom Studios is that they tend to get really amazing artists to work on covers for not just Power Rangers, but all of their comics. Yeah. Um, but especially for this series, the main issues, uh, they had art by Elsa Chartier, mm -hmm. uh, who she actually worked on the first run of The Unstoppable a Wasp. And yes, like Jim, like Jay's giving a big thumbs up right now because like he loves the Unstoppable Wasp. No, it's not. It is Unstoppable Wasp, right? It is Unstoppable Wasp. Okay, but they also had like the main. If you ever pick up the trade, you see that beautiful cover by Babs Tar um, that has like the half and half of like um, Kimberly and Ranger form and Kimberly's like sweet '90s like uh, look. But yeah, the covers are beautiful. And like, there's luckily if you ever pick up the trade, there's like a full gallery of like all the variant, all the various variant covers, like the one by Marguerite Sauvage, which oddly enough I associate with the second Batgirl because that's what she uses as her icon. Right, uh, Marguerite Sauvage, as uh, she did some work for like she's also done work for Marvel, like she did the flashback scenes of Life of Captain Marvel. Um, she did some work on um, the Faith, the first Faith series from Valiant Comics. Um, she's amazing. Oh, Stephanie Hans also did one. Oh my god. Um, she's amazing. She did, uh, work on, uh, Angela from Marvel. Uh, she's also done some cover work for The Wicked and the Vine. Um, I'm getting to be a comics nerd in this episode and it's great. Yes. But also great ones from, like, Kelsey Beckett, Emily Who, uh, Joelle Jones. Oh my god. Uh, there's also one here, there's also one done by Dan Parent. Who, like, is known for Archie comics. And it's it's all done Archie style. It's so cute. Oh, gosh. And then uh, Annie Wu also did one. There's one by, like, Katie Cook and um, Jen Bartell, Paulina Ganesho. Basically, like, it's a, there's a who's who of, like, 
uh, great women, or not even just all women, but like great some great cover artists, but mostly women, uh, in like the uh, currently in the comics industry. So final verdict, uh, it's a fun self-contained adventure. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it's going to require some knowledge of Power Rangers in order to enjoy it, but like it's. It's definitely, like, really well done in terms of just being, like, kind of a one-off that doesn't really, like, carry contingency onto anything else. I mean, besides the dear John letter at the end. Yeah. Uh, pick it up. Sorry, Beetle. Not sorry. We're not sorry, Beetle. So next month, buckle up. We're going to the future. The future. To do the 2017 reboot of Power Rangers movie and the comic Aftershock. And as always, we want to say thank you to David Tyberg for the help with the equipment. Joe Hunter for our bitchin' podcast art, and Super Beetle for the name. He may have not liked this comic, but we still love him anyway. And a special shout-out to someone uh, who did a promo for our podcast. Warhorse! Yeah, Warhorse! So, yeah, uh, uh, Warhorse Jake Parnell, who is a, uh, an amazing wrestler based out of Indiana. He was running a special. He might still be running. I don't want to quote him on that because this episode's going out in May, but uh, he was running a special on uh, custom promos, and I so basically we paid him money to do a promo for the podcast, and it turned out great. So yeah. if you are, go to on our Twitter, you might see it there, and we'll include it in the show notes as well. Um, you can find us at Ranger Splain on Twitter and on WordPress. Um, our podcast channel is Ranger Splain on uh, Spotify, iTunes. Uh- podcast.com uh anywhere you can find podcasts we we pretty much put this up yeah stitcher Castbox, wherever um so as always you can find us on our social media our own social media channels i am at miss kitty f on twitter and instagram i am jay jackets on instagram and finally i can actually say my twitter uh is jacket sexual so um but yeah that's it and we'll see you next month yeah this is ranger splain may the power protect you go, go, power,